It's Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul on demand, season two, episode 43, with Dolly Parton. Hey, hey. Do you and Carl, can y'all like ever shut down Dollywood for the day and just go for yourself? Y'all ever, have you ever done that? No, but I've often thought I'd like to do that for my whole family. You know, just for my family, for my brothers and sisters, nieces and nephews and the grandkids and all. Uh, but that's a really hard thing to do because people buy their season tickets and people come and they go and it's just hard. We'd probably have to do it after hours and that'd be too late to have any fun. We had a lot of fun talking to Dolly Parton. We're going to get into that. And there's a special bonus at the end of the Dolly Parton episode. We've tagged on a Reba McIntyre interview that I just did recently as well. Now it's to be noted that both of these interviews were done on Zoom and I was out of studio as were the two country music icons. So my microphone sounds a little weird, but that's because I was at home. Thank you so much for checking out this interview that's coming up. Part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network. Hey, hey. Hey, how you doing? Well, I'm good. How are you, Evan? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for chatting with us. Uh, This Rockstar album has the most star power I've ever seen on a record. Is there anybody that is left that you would still love to work with? <laughs> well, I wish there's a few that I wish I could have got on this album, and I, I chased, uh, you know, uh, Mick Jagger around the whole album. Trying, he was working on his album. He was willing to do it. Was willing to work with me on some things, but we never could catch up till I ran out of time. And he was working on, as you know now, their new album. And uh, so I missed him. And Sharon and I were going to do something. We never did find the right thing to do she's not rock but she's share you know i would love to have her on yeah but uh those are the two that i you know i had hoped to get that i I miss not having the most i think okay can you tell me any funny stories other than the mcjagger one you know uh from the process of creating this album well, it was just funny just trying to get all these, you know, people together and all the stuff. More of the fun part was more like here, us trying to get it all together and get these people either into town or get us to where they needed to be. It was more about just there's a lot of work that goes into something this big and, and having the managers get to your manager. I'll have your people call my people kind of thing and all that. But uh, it was really great, though, once we all got together and we all did it different ways some had to do it in their own studios from wherever they were some I had the opportunity to get to work with in person in the studios and so that was all it was all good though and I really am proud of the results of how it turned out who are some of your rock idols growing up well of course when I grew up my rock idols were people like Elvis and Chuck Berry and Little Richard and, uh, you know, some of those people. But, of course, I still grew up during this time because a lot of these uh, iconic artists were people of my my growing up, grown-up years, and there a lot of them are my age, some of them even older, or at least there are a lot of them are more my age that I got to sing on this, and most of all of them are in their 70s or over. And I thought, well, why not get some of these great people on these great iconic songs, the same ones that put the songs out originally? So that's really kind of, I thought, well, wouldn't that be cool, you know, to have um, Paul McCartney and Ringo on Let It Be, and, you know, to have, you know, Steve Tyler on Open Arms and have, you know, just have all these great people on the songs that we worked on or that they worked on originally. 
What, uh, who in music is really paving the way for future artists when it comes to touring in your eyes? Well, good Lord, who could be better than Taylor Swift? I mean, she's like, she's killing it, ain't she? I've never seen anything like it. Well, yay, Taylor, you go. But there's a lot of the young ones coming along. I honestly have to say, I don't, I work so hard, I don't even get to follow, you know, some of the young people, the new people that are coming on. But I just always wish them all the best. And I remember what it was like when I was starting out, being hopeful that I could make my dreams come true. And I just wish the same for so many of the people, you know, coming out. But there's, there's some great, great artists out there, and there's going to be some great artists coming along. But touring, you know, it's, it's the way you make your money. It's the way you make your, make your fame. You know, you can do records all day, but you need to get out and let people, you know, hear it. Although I'll not be touring with this rock album, I'd never dream of trying to get that group of people together. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um... Who, uh, oh, the Monday, the football. I heard your song, the Night Moves cover on Monday Night Football. I saw you have a relationship where the songs are going to keep coming in, uh, you know, over the weeks. Um, have you been to a NFL football game? Oh, I have. My husband's a big sports fan, too. I haven't been personally. We mostly watch things on TV. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to participate in a few games uh, this year. I'm going to UT. Uh, to be a part of their big game up there. I'm going to sing Rocky Top and uh, kind of have a few things, promoting my rock album, too, while we're up there and doing some special things. And we've had some offers to possibly do some more things this season, you know, with, with the ball teams. Of course, UT is, is our... Uh, my home, my home team. So I have to make mention of them. But yeah, we're we got some things in mind for the bigger teams okay. too. Uh, as a kid, I, I went to Dollywood, uh, and I've always been wondering this: um, Do you and Carl can y'all like ever shut down Dollywood for the day and just go for yourself? Y'all ever have you ever done that? No, but I've often thought I'd like to do that for my whole family. You know, just for my family, for my brothers and sisters, nieces and nephews and the grandkids and all. Uh, but that's a really hard thing to do because people buy their season tickets and people come and they go. And it's just hard. We'd probably have to do it after hours and that'd be too late to have any fun. So I guess we'll just all go as we go and have our, our free passes and have those uh, whatever they call those tickets where you can jump line sort of or be kind of put to the front of the line, although I'm not one that's good, up on big on jumping line, even if it was in my own park. <laughs> wow, so you would wait in line at Dollywood? Well, if I was going, I would. That'd be kind of wow. silly. Kind of silly, wouldn't it, for me to, you know, to go ahead of anybody. But the good thing is I don't ride the rides anyway. So that, that works out well <laughs> <Yeah>. for me. <laughs> so I have an excuse. I got away with that one, didn't I? I slid that one right through there. <laughs> um, I know you've given up touring. Is there anything you miss about touring? I miss the fans, but I get I get to do enough special shows, special events, some uh, charity shows that I get to do that enough now uh, to where I I don't miss it like I like I did when I first quit. Uh, but you always you always there's an energy about the fans and being live on stage. 
that it's like a drug. You know, it's like a it's like an addiction. You get addicted to those fans and that feeling and that love. It's like a shot of adrenaline or something. And so you kind of miss that, the excitement of being on the road, the traveling and all the stuff that goes with it. But when you've done it for six decades, it's, you know, you don't miss it as much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's the difference in recording an audiobook uh, into record as in recording vocals for an album? Oh, it's a world of difference because when you're recording a song, you know you've got the the emotion and all that. But when you do a book, you've got to do it exactly like it's written. You can't even add an and or a but or a you know whatever. So you it's you have to. It's really like you've still got to put that that true emotion you know, what you were trying to say to get that in, but you can't ad-lib, you can't go around it. So it's a little harder because you've got to take it more serious. You've got to be more focused when you're doing an audio for a book than you do when you sing because you can just do whatever you do. If you're a singer and it's somebody like me that can, I just do my phrase and just sing it however I want, come in and do little ad-libs and all kinds of stuff. But no, not with a book. You've got to you got to put it down the way people kind of read it out of the book. Is there a folder somewhere of outtakes from you doing your audio book? I'm sure there is. There are bloopers everywhere of me being on camera and me being <laughs> everywhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, I make a lot of mistakes, and I have a lot of fun. And sometimes, you know, the mistakes are funnier than the things I meant to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the book, uh, Behind the Scenes, Life in Rhinestones. Um, you revealed a lot about your fashion choices uh, in the latest book. Is there anyone that you regret a fashion choice over the years ever? Oh, I'm, I, I just look back. I didn't at the time. I don't think there's anything I, I, I wore at the time that I regret. Looking back on this book, I get such a kick out of seeing some of those god-awful extravagant things and some of those big hairdos and I think oh my lord I don't know it would be regret but I, I think was I serious I must have been serious because you don't do anything in that moment that you're not serious about and I think did I really think that looked good and then I think well I must have because that's just kind of how I am with my the stuff I wear I'll wear what I'm feeling right in at that moment and so uh so I, you know, there's just little little things here and there. I mean, I can't, nothing totally comes to mind that that I say was a total mistake because I have this book to say, let you see how funny or god-awful or how whatever it was. It's like just kind of chronicling my whole, chronicling my whole career, you know, in, in fashion and all. So I'm sure you'd pick out more mistakes than I would. <laughs> Uh, my daughter gets your books. Oh, hi there. Thank you. Hi, who is that? That's Libby. Hi, Libby. I'm the book lady. Well, you are welcome for the... You're welcome. Okay, I send you some more, okay? I send you some more. Bye, Libby. Thank you, darling. Oh, we love you so thank much. Thank you. All right, you have a good day. Okay, thanks. That was Bye -bye. cute. I wasn't expecting that. As an added bonus on this podcast episode, we also had the chance to sit down with another country music icon, Reba McIntyre. We're going to jump right into this one. Um, I got a question. Okay, so when you write a book, is it similar to an album in which you want to go to the actual store and grab it off the shelf? 
Did I go grab it off the shelf? Yeah. Did you go to Walmart or Target or something and go uh, buy it? No, I didn't. Oh, you did it? Yeah. You know, I don't even have one of the books. Every time I get one to either proofread or look at a recipe, uh, I wind up giving it away. So I don't even have one. That's uh, that's a good that's a good problem to have because people are very interested in getting it and looking at it. And when they're at the house and they look at it, can I take this home? I say, yeah, let me autograph it for you. And so there we go. <laughs> now, similar question. Do you read the finished product ever when you write a book? Oh, yeah, definitely. I proofread it. Matter okay. of fact, um, I, I had to proofread it three times. And then at the very last minute, I said, let me let me see it one more time. And just to make sure everybody's name spelled right and got the facts right. But mainly it's about spelling people's name right. And I was looking at it before we went to do all the press in New York City. I was going through it again, refreshing my mind, which I need to do a lot. And uh, I saw still some people's names I got wrong. So, yeah, it takes all hands and the cook to make sure we get it all right. Wow. Oh, okay. Tell me something about filming the voice that you did not expect. Liking it so much. I didn't know that I would fall in love with it. When we took our break, we don't go back until after uh, Thanksgiving. And I was texting everybody saying, I miss you guys. What are y'all doing? What are you doing now? Can we get together? <laughs> um, we just saw you uh, break down with two of your singers perform Lauren Daigle's You Say. Are you comfortable sharing that kind of emotion on a public stage? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, I want I want my contestants, my artists to know when it touches my heart because that's what I preach all the time. If you have if you're singing a song and there's no emotion to it, it's just a song. You can make it so much more incredible by putting the emotion in because if you do that, if you've got emotion in your heart when you sing it, I'm going to feel it and your job's complete. And have you ever broken down on stage like during a, a show? Oh yeah. Lots of times over many, many years. Somebody Should Leave was the one song that I would always just break up and cry. I mean, it was a very sad song. It still is. Uh, thanks His Name Was John was another one that always got me. And But the I guess the one that got me more than anything was uh, The Greatest Man I Never Knew. Yeah, I get you. I got you. Um Towards the end of the book, you list seven people that you admire. I want to ask about a few of them. Uh, first, Dolly Parton. Do you remember the first time you met Dolly or what you guys first bonded over beyond country music? Well, the first time I ever was in her presence was in September 17th, 1977. It was my first time at the Grand Ole Opry. I was going to get to do two songs. And they came to me and said, well, we're going to have to take one of your songs. Uh, I said, Why? He said, well, Dolly Parton just walked, uh, just pulled in the parking lot and we're going to give her one of your songs. I said, she, she can have both of them. Can I meet her? <laughs> I meet her. But she did walk in front of me and I was just like, oh, my God, that's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. She kind of floated by. She was just like an angel. Yeah. Did, um, did you ever feel any competition with her at any point? No, not competition with Dolly. No, I'm not a competitor with Dolly. Dolly's Dolly. I mean, but you're Reba. I'm I'm a little over here. Dolly, <laughs> this, you know, she's everything. And I've always looked up to her. I've watched, I've learned, I have listened, 
my favorite album, two of my favorite albums is Dolly Parton's first album, Blue Ridge Mountain Boy and Carol King's Tapestry. I love story songs. I love the intimacy and the, of the them telling you a private story about their lives through a song. And, and uh, okay, Garth Brooks, um, how good are you at spotting star power and new artists? Like, did you know that as soon as you saw Garth, he was going to be Garth? I didn't know he was going to be Garth, but I did know he has something special. He opened for me in Des Moines, uh, Coin, Illinois, um, and we were kind of like at a fair. And Jim Hammond, my tour manager at the time, came uh, into my dressing room. He said, you're not going to believe this guy's opened the show from you for you. He's from Oklahoma. And uh, he said, he looks just like Charlie battles. That was my first husband. And I said, well, I got to go see that. So I quit doing my hair and makeup. And I walked up on the side of the stage and he was bouncing around the stage and, and kind of wrestling with his guitar player. And I thought, I've never seen anybody in my life do this. And then, and then we kept, then we started doing tours together, 90 and 91. And, I, I would go out and sit on the side of the stage. He's just totally different. You just couldn't take your eyes off of him. And we've remained friends all these years, and he's just one in a billion. Did you um, ever feel similar toward another artist or a contemporary artist as you did toward Garth? No, because there's not another Garth at all. I guess the closest would be Taylor Swift. Um, you know, you you watch her. First time I ever saw Taylor Swift perform was on the ACMs, and she did uh, Tim McGraw, the the song, and she was singing right to Tim McGraw and Faith Hill sitting there in the audience, playing a guitar, walking down the steps to go into the audience, playing her guitar, and I thought, holy crap, she's new, and she's doing all this? I was totally, totally amazed with her, like Garth. How do you feel about Taylor touring now? Like, is is it just incredible, isn't it? It is incredible. And the money she's giving back. I, I can't wait to go see the movie. That's yeah. what I'm waiting on. I want to get a day off and just go sit in the movie theater. All right. Let's talk about Rex Lynn. Has being with him inspired you to pursue acting a little bit more? Well, we love working together. We did The Hammer together. We did Big Sky together. And uh, we, we we love working together. He's, um, you know, because of, of the SAG after strike, he hasn't worked since last December and um, he's trying to stay busy, keeping a great attitude. I'm so proud of him, but we're ready to get back to work. But this was a very important thing to do is to for SAG after to strike it. We need to get more money for the actors and get the AI uh, situation uh, more fair for everybody. What do you think Rex is waiting on? You think he's going to propose? You think he's going to do it? I told him if he wanted to get married, that's up to him totally. Um, he doesn't seem pressured one way or the other. We get along so well. We have fun. We love to travel together. Now, if you can do a road trip with a person and not get in an argument and still like each other when you get to your destination, that's a pretty good partnership right there. And we've done it several times. So we're we're we love the same things. We grew up in Oklahoma. Uh, he started in Texas. I don't hold that against him. Uh, but if we love all the same things and we're close in age. So when I say, oh, you remember Bewitched back when we were kids? He said, oh, my, I had to crush on Elizabeth Montgomery. We can talk about things. It's a lot of fun. 
Are there any other acting projects for you now that the strike is over in the works that you can talk about? Well, when the strike gets over, the okay. direct the writers is finished, but the actors is still in progress. Um, there's a lot of things. We had a lot of things in the works before the strike. So hopefully they'll continue and we can get back in there in front of the camera. Okay. I didn't realize you had seven grandkids and a great grandson. What do they call you? Well, they don't call me often. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're they're my step grandchildren and step grand great grand so uh they're cute as a button i i don't see them regularly at all but uh i hope they know i love them all right and one final one are you the stern grandma or are you the grandma that spoils well i'll tell you this i can i can uh, relate that question more to my grand dogs i am the spoiler uh, Shelby let me keep Watson one time and he said, now here's his treats. And it was a two day stay at my house. And when Shelby got back, he said, okay, so how much treats are left? And I said, oh, we ran out yesterday. He said, mom, that was supposed to last him for the week. I said, oh, <laughs> well, thanks, Reba. We love the book. Very, very well done. Thank you very much for taking time. Oh, thank you so much. It's good visiting with you. You as well. Talk soon. Okie doke. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Let's bring in Billy Dukes to analyze these interviews here with two country music icons that we had. Both of these were pretty outside your wheelhouse here. Were you kind of shaking like a leaf before they hopped on? I was, yes. The Dolly Parton one, I had to do. uh, Both of them I did uh, from a house, I believe. The Dolly Parton one was huge because my daughter, who's four, is a huge Dolly Parton fan uh, because of the Imagination Library books. And uh, so she wanted to, she blocked out space to talk to Dolly Parton, as she says. So, you know, at the end, that's where you hear that 30 seconds of her going, you know, thanks for the books. Thanks for the books. Um, I was just, I was really nervous though, man. I, I didn't really know like with either of them, how it would go. And particularly the beginning of the Reba one threw me off because she didn't yeah. really understand my first question. And I was like, oh boy. No, no, she didn't. She, I think you asked her if she goes, you're trying to ask her like if she went and bought her own book and, and she didn't, she just wasn't getting it. Like she didn't hear she, it or she wasn't understanding it. She seemed she perplexed like, by that question. She was like, yes, I want you to go to the store and buy the book. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Are you going to buy it? Oh, am I, I going to go to this? Like it was such a. It was such a far out question. <laughs> I was like, oh man, is this how the whole interview is going to go? But she kind of warmed up to me a little bit, but I was like, oh no, you know, but with both of them, I kind of had the, I don't know. I just kind of had the feeling of, I don't want to uh, make any of them upset. So I, it's kind of hard when you interview people like that, you know, I'm learning. Cause you know, you just don't want to be the one that, that pisses off Dolly Parton. They, uh, it was a good recovery on Reba. And Thanks. I think with, with both artists, they're, they're kind of similar. And I tried to give you a heads up with this re- with regards to Reba is they have an interview style that's, it's a little, their answers are always very direct and like well and, and concise. But when they're done talking, they're done talking. It, there's not like a, <laughs> it's difficult to get into like a flow of a conversation, especially when, you know, you're on a Zoom or whatever platform you're using if you're not in the same room like that 
Yeah, and they yeah, they both know what they want to say and they're so good. They've done so many of these that it's like they can out they can out interview an interviewer. You know, they're just oh. they're just too yeah. good, man. You know, and and they know what direction they want to take everything and and you're just you're just not going to get one past them. And the other thing, you know, a little behind the curtain here for everyone is if you do get one past them and they don't like it, they control the audio right. and the video. So when they email it back to you, that will magically not be there. You know, I didn't don't think I had any of those in these interviews, but it's it's happened before. So you have to be really careful um, because they are in full control and it's it's intimidating. So I feel like that's permission to maybe be a little bit more aggressive with questions, like knowing that they can cut it out or will cut it out if they don't like it. Like, I feel like that's an opportunity to maybe ask a question. I mean, with both of these women, obviously, you want to be respectful. But uh, if they don't like it, like, <laughs> Reba, you asked, you pressed Reba and her husband uh, or on Rex proposing, and they, they kept that. They left that in. But if they didn't like that line of questioning or were sick of it, they, they could have snipped it. But I say go for it. Yeah, I mean, I've had you know, I've gone for it a couple times. Uh, you know, sometimes I I've had a couple times where I go for it, and then the you know my boss calls me five seconds yeah, later yeah. from a, from another side of the country, going like, "Hey man, did you uh you did you just talk to this guy, this mm-hmm. person? What'd you do? Mm-hmm. Did they just want you to take that out?" <laughs> so I'm like, "Oh man." I think that's okay. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm I'm speaking. I'm not sure that the interviewing, my interviewing self agrees with my producer hat self. You know, I, I'm not sure I do what I speak necessarily. I might talk <laughs> a bigger game than I actually play. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> the, yeah. the truth is in the middle somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's so weird. You know, if it was something like you're never going to see these people again or it was a one and done, you know, uh, I, I mean, back in my earlier uh, radio days you know when a lot of these artists they they don't see you in person they, they it's a lot over the phone and it's a lot of times like let's i'm just making up a person let's say carrie underwood for example there's a lot of times where if you're at a smaller radio station or even a big radio station but on one radio station in one part of the country carrie underwood's gonna call you she's not gonna be there and you're probably never gonna talk to her again at this said radio station maybe again in your life so you're a little at least for me i was a little bit you know able to ask questions that were a little bit bumpy per se because i knew like i'm in i'm at a radio station in oregon and you know carrie underwood's never gonna see you know so but here i find that uh, i'm you know i run into these people all the time and they're label people so it's like it's Mm -hmm. it's it's it throws an interesting you know uh crowbar into the mix a little bit you know because it's like if you are uh, if you start interviewing people rogue, then then that record label is not going to give you other people. So Dolly, she kind of did what we're talking about here. At one point during the interview, she sort of bumped you back on track and she brought it back around to her album. I forget what you were asking her about. Maybe it was when you were kind of asking her about um, her love for Taylor Swift. But then she kind of got back to touring in the Rockstar album. It's like she sort of she sort of nudged you back <laughs> yeah. on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, she's a tug. Was- she's like tugboating me over there a little bit. Like, here's where you want to be, there, buddy. <laughs> what was your um? 
What did you want to know from both of these women? And what was the most surprising thing that you took away from both conversations? Man, I know we had a bunch of things that we wanted and needed to get from Dolly. But the one thing that I really wanted to know, which I got, was if she's ever shut down Dollywood and just gone by herself. And she gave us a little bonus on that by saying that, you know, she would give she has never done that. Obviously, if you listen to the interview, uh, but she would um, not use a fast pass. She would wait in line. Um, if if she went. But then, I don't know if you caught this, but she did what you were talking about, Billy. She professionally circled back around by huh. saying, like, uh, but I don't go on the ride. So that, And then she was like, you see how I squirmed out of that one? So, like, yeah. she, she knows <laughs> how to squirm out of questions. Like, she can say she'll wait in line because she knows – that she doesn't ride the rides and that's never going to happen. So like she's smart right. enough to work ahead in that aspect, which is just brilliant. Yeah. How, how about Reba? Was I know we had a lot for her as well. Was there anything that you were excited to get to? Um, with Reba, I wanted to know. I really wanted to know more about the grandkids since it's from. Mm. Uh, right. severed relationship with Kelly Clarkson and uh, her, is that her stepson, Brandon Blackstock? Yes. Something like that. That gets confusing to me. She more or less raised him, but yes, that is her ex-husband's son. Yeah, see, I wanted to get a little bit more about the kids, but she kind of brushed it off with, uh, you know, well, they don't call me, you know, or, you know, uh, but I, yeah. I wish I, I could have heard a little bit more uh, about that and Kelly Clarkson and, and stuff like that. But I understand why she didn't want to, you know, necessarily get, get into that, you know, and, and a lot of times they're promoting, she was promoting her book and Dolly was promoting her book and her album. And like you said, they, they want to stay on that track, but they also want to give you a little bit, you know, of what you need cause you're helping them promote. So it's a kind of a, a give and take a little bit. I thought that Reba in particular offered some pretty good anecdotes like her thoughts on garth brooks and him opening for her in illinois and someone saying that it looked like her first husband charlie battles was interesting (laughs) to me and and then both of them really kind of gushed on taylor swift as being sort of the artist of all artists and reba talking about taylor's performance at the acms that year that was it was cool to hear her perspective on a moment that we all watched on television well here's my question for you do you think if Taylor Swift were to hear about that, does that is is she shocked or is she like bigger than them now? Or she's like, oh, cool, Dolly and Reba think I'm great. That's nice. Or you know, I I wonder that. I don't. I think Taylor would be very honored. Like I think that would be a big deal for her. I don't think Taylor. I mean, she's always come across to me as someone who's fairly humble and like you even hear like normal everyday stories from her for example like priscilla block an artist that we we play a little bit of she shares this story of not too long ago three four years ago she was just walking around downtown nashville or music row or something and she had a taylor swift t-shirt on and taylor swift pulled up in the car and saw her t-shirt and said hey nice t-shirt hop in let's go for a ride and like priscilla block wasn't anybody at that point she didn't have a deal or any songs cut she wasn't big on tiktok yet like she was just a girl in a Taylor Swift t-shirt that Taylor like just like cruised around town with for 10 minutes or, or whatever it was. I n- didn't know that she actually got to get in the car and cruise. Really? That's the way I remember the story. <laughs> That's yeah. That's cool. <laughs> uh, don't fact check me on that, I guess. But um, 
so yeah, I think Taylor would still think it's a, a pretty big deal, but she might also be like, yeah, you're kind of right. I am, I am out here crushing it in these streets. <laughs> but it's uh-huh. funny though, in asking those questions to those two ladies, I kind of knew what their answer was going to be. It's, it's kind of like if you ask that question to anybody right now, I feel like everyone's going to say Taylor Swift. Here's the part that surprised me a little bit more is when you asked her about meeting Dolly or, or just being aware of Dolly, like it was pretty clear she idolized Dolly even then, yeah. which is kind of surprising because I mean, Dolly wasn't really Dolly. Like this is the, maybe the late seventies, early eighties. Dolly was a star, but I think this was pre nine to five. Um, like she wasn't how we know her, you know, she wasn't the book lady. She didn't have Dollywood yet. Like, uh-huh. she was just, like, maybe almost like a, uh, maybe even like a Miranda Lambert or a Carrie Underwood of the time, which oh. is big, but not, like, iconic at that point. But Reba certainly saw her as an icon even then. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, the way she was talking about her was just, she. Were, I, I was shocked by the, like, she remembered the exact date. Like, she was like, it was blah, 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 and blah, 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 and she walked by me like an angel, and then, like, it just, it made, it got me thinking, like, d- did Dolly Parton really pull up in the parking lot in her own car and be like, hey, I want to play the Opry, or or uh, wherever they were, or was it, uh, you know, uh, like, Dolly's bus pulled up, or was Dolly just riding through the neighborhood and was like, hey, let me go play? <laughs> I, that's a good question. Like, how, why didn't Dolly give anybody a heads up? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right? Did she just pull up in a Trans Am or something? And she's like, "Hey, I want to say, you know, she, that's, <laughs> was it just like that back in the day? That's what I want to know. Like, I wanted to get in on that." Dolly and Carl were out having dinner at the Dave and Buster's, and she thought, "You know what? I got a, I got an itch, Carl. Keep the car I running. Sing a couple songs." I'm going to go across the parking lot and sing these songs. I'll I'm be right float back. I'm by this uh, new artist named Reba. She's going to think I'm an angel, and I'll steal one of her songs, and I'll be right back. Uh, <laughs> good interviews in both cases here. I, they are tough to interview because of their status, but also because um, their style is a little bit more Q&A style. Like, I, I think these interviews were more of a Q&A than necessarily... Like, a, 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 you know, when we talk to Chris Jansen, it's like a, a warm conversation. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it can be tough to sort of find some comfort in that and, and kind of keep going with your questions. But um, I thought you did a nice job with both of them. Thanks, man. Yeah, this, these were two big ones for me. So there it yep. is. I appreciate it. All right, cool. Yeah, I'll cut it after that there. 